Our business succeeds because of the people we have. We're grateful for that. And what's our overall mission? What's our mission? Spreading happiness. Spreading happiness. So if we want to spread happiness with our customers and in the community. We have to start here. Our colleagues have to be happy. Our colleagues have to be valued and want to be here. So make sure you're offering people a mission worthy of their commitment. Something bigger than ourselves. Something that matters. It can't just be we want to make money. And don't get me wrong. We want to make money, right? Absolutely, Dad. You, we like to live indoors. I do. You do, yes. Hello and welcome to the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast, where you'll hear one conversation after another that generates aha moments for you. There is an enormous wave of goodness and progress well underway in the world that we're not hearing enough about. In fact, it's so well hidden by the negative noise in our media that I'm calling that wave a conspiracy of goodness. Hence the name of the podcast. And if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably because you're part of that wave. You're probably a giver, a doer, the idea person, the helper in your own circles. And the guests on this podcast, even though they're vastly different every single week, they're going to give you inspiration. They're going to give you ideas to keep elevating this important role that you have in your circles of being the idea person, the person who's pointing to what's right with the world. So welcome. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich. I'm founder, co-founder of the Goodness Exchange, which is the mothership website of this podcast. It lives on a fantastic positive news website for curious people called the Goodness Exchange. And if you want to have a spring in your step again, head over there and you can find this podcast, this interview, many more and thousands of articles, like I said, about what's right with the world. And we're going to get started on helping you move in that direction right now with a couple of amazing guests, John and Mark Cronin. They're co-founders of John's Crazy Socks. And I tell you, I can already feel my face is probably going to hurt after this interview because I, on the pre-call, they made me smile so much. So John's Crazy Socks has an amazing story. It was inspired by John Lee Cronin, who is one of the guests, um, a young man with Down syndrome and his love for colorful, fun socks, what he calls his crazy socks. He and his father, Mark X. Cronin, uh, started a company as a social uh, enterprise with the mission of spreading happiness. And they do this by offering socks that people can love. Socks that allow an expression of oneself. They, I mean, the statistics on this business um, entrepreneurship adventure are unbelievable. They've created 34 jobs for 22 people with disabilities. And I know we're going to clarify the terms there. I know that he's going to help. They're going to help us figure out this, this term disability because it's more like finding people's abilities. They've spoken twice at the UN and twice to Congress. Their giving back program has raised over $600,000 for charity partners like Special Olympics, the National Down Syndrome Society, and Autism Society of America. There are two TED Talks, TEDx Talks, that you must watch. We'll put the the uh, the links to those in the show notes there on the Goodness Exchange that surround this podcast episode. 
and they have a simple plea. It's just do not be blinded by a person's limitations. Be awed by their possibilities. Well, right there, they, they, they reeled me in. I love possibility. John and Mark really have a way of showing us that there's not two worlds, a world of, of business and work for people with varying disabilities and then one for everyone else. It's one in the same. Mark uses real life examples of businesses like the Rising Tide Car Wash, which we've written an article about, another organization called Spectrum Design, one calls Ventures ATL, and some of the largest businesses in the world, Microsoft, IBM, Comcast, they're seeing that when you hire people of varying abilities, you're gonna increase productivity, improve retention, and improve the ability to recruit workers and fill openings for specific talents. So most of all, they're spreading happiness. Welcome, John and Mark Cronin. Wow. 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 How about that? Yes. <laughs> what a great intro. Thank you. <laughs> We're so happy to be here. Oh, I really appreciate it. Oh, I'm so glad we're finally getting to record this. I'm telling you, I um I wrote an article called Every Brain is Beautiful where where I spoke a lot about Temple Grandin and her work which we have interviewed Temple on the podcast um Mark just mentioned it um just recently and um how every brain is beautiful our minds are just built to contribute in some way and and then that spreads happiness in so many directions that um I want you to just sort of Talk to us about how everyone can contribute. Let's start there, and then we'll rewind a little bit and hear about your story. Well, it would be awful to be in a place where everybody thought the same, right. where everybody approached the world in the same way. How boring. And, and how brittle a world it would be. We all benefit from having that diversity of approaches and mindsets. Yeah. And we... That applies to all of us. And you mentioned there's no separation, right? We don't have any original ideas here. We, we call our place a unified workplace. And we got that idea, that term from the Special Olympics and their unified sports. People can say, well, it's, you know, you, you're talking about hiring people with different abilities. But we want lots of different types of thinkers here. We want people that have different approaches that gives us strength that makes us gives us more flexibility when you get rocked by the tough things that are going to happen yeah you know um and that's where all the resiliency is in the ups and downs of of any business is the person who comes in sideways with a new id because their experience their skills are so much different than ours Yes, and you, you need others to, to see it. I mean, here's a, I, some of it is the entrepreneurial mindset. You need some of that. Um, here's a little anecdote. So it's January of 2017, and we are just getting started. Remember? Yeah, they do. Yeah. And we're finding out firsthand, nobody buys anything in January. Because they spent all their money at the holidays. So we're trying to figure out, we're this fledgling company, it's just the two of us, trying to figure out how do we sell more socks. And that's when we discovered 
that people celebrate World Down Syndrome Day. And, and when's World Down Syndrome? Um, it's March 23rd. I celebrate a World Down Syndrome Day. They celebrate that day by wearing crazy socks. Now, you would have thought we knew that ahead of time, but we're not that smart. <laughs> and, and at that time, we were only selling socks that other people made. So we went looking for a Down syndrome theme sock. We couldn't find one. Um, Nobody made one. And what I, you said. I said, I want to make one. I want to create one. I, 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 I want to create my own. John was the one that said, well, why don't we just make one? And that's what we did. And that was our first awareness sign. But, but I want you to see here, John may have Down syndrome, but that thought process was because of his entrepreneurial mindset of this is not a problem. This is an opportunity. Um, and so that's a diversity of thought. Right. There are other people not going to think that way. Um, and, and, and so... It's an artificial and arbitrary barrier to say, well, this is a disability and this is not. No, it's just a different approach, a different way of thinking. Right, right. So talk to us about that. How, how do we get around this this word disability, which is my, my sister-in-law, my husband's sister has severe cerebral palsy. And so I've been tuned into that, that this world of, of words all my life. We started dating when we were 14. Talk to us about this. Well, language matters. And language changes. It evolves over time. We use the term differing abilities. Because we all have differing abilities. At the same time, I have listened to some people say, no, you should use the word disabilities. That we take ownership of it. Um, I don't know the right answer. So... We're going to continue to use differing abilities because that's what we see it to be. Uh, that reminds me, I um, this episode with Temple Grandin is number one thirty-seven on on the good the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast. If people want to look at that uh, or listen to it, but I tell you, she by the time you come out of that one, you just realize that it's differing abilities. It just is like, she's talking about visual thinkers as, and, and our world is not rewarding that particular way the brain can work. And, um, gosh, what else aren't we, aren't we rewarding? What, are, what else other potential are well, we leaving on the table? There's lots of things to see. There's, there's an educational theorist, uh, Howard Gardner, who has, this concept of multiple intelligences. We measure two in school, an analytical and a verbal. But he's identified, I think he's up to, say, to eight now. Originally, there was seven. You have a physical intelligence. You have a, an emotional intelligence. You have a management intelligence. And we all have different strengths and are made up of the composite of it all. You know of you know the the stereotypical absent-minded professor who may be brilliant but doesn't know how to cross the street. Um, you know, or put but I can put it in practical terms for our business, all right? Right. So you can think of our business in two parts. There's the front end. That's running the website. It's 
designing and sourcing socks, it's email, it's social media. And then there's the back end. We do our own fulfillment. So we sell online. Anybody who sells online, you got to be able to fulfill orders. Orders come in, you pick them, you pack them, you send them out. What do we call our pickers? Sock wranglers. Sock wranglers. Um, sock wranglers? And yeah, sock wranglers and happiness packers. And and our colleague who runs all that is the Lord of the Socks. Um, so pick and pack warehouses are a boom industry. Okay. People have trouble finding employees. Mm-hmm. Well, we're in our seventh year. And we have drawn from three different labor pools, people with different abilities, moms. There's some dads in there, but uh, we schedule people in four-hour shifts. So you can put your kid on the bus in the morning, come to work, pick your kid up from the bus. It's not heavy lifting. Yeah. And then general laborers who are looking for a starting wage of $15 an hour in a place where they'll feed you and treat you well. By far, the best labor pool are the people with different abilities. They want to be here. They're focused. They're enthusiastic. And, and I'm always pointing out, if you get to know John, you're a very nice guy, aren't you? Right. Everybody says that. Absolutely. I am not. If you're going to work here, you're going to produce. We don't give jobs to anybody. We're a business. It's not a charity. We're not, it's not a make work. We don't give jobs to people. You're going to earn that job. And that's part of the dignity. Everybody here knows he or she has earned that job. They belong here. They're making a difference. That is such an important, that dignity piece of the puzzle is such a misunderstood sort of twisted (laughs) twisted concept these days it is and we don't you know sometimes we underestimate it the national down syndrome society would argue and i agree if you have a right to work that doesn't mean you're guaranteed a job but you have a right to be able to work and we see how important this is we we do little things. Um, you, know, you pay attention to details. When we hire somebody new, we all get together. We have a little ceremony to welcome them. And we present them with their business cards. So everybody has a business card. Everybody gets a company email. Everybody has a business card because you're a professional. When you get your first paycheck, we present you with a physical paycheck. And people get around to celebrate because so many of our colleagues, this is the first time they've ever received a paycheck. And we could share lots of stories of the impact on people's lives. Uh, I'll, I'll share one. Okay. We're talking about Thomas? Yes. You like talking about Thomas? I do, you? yeah. <laughs> I notice I've been doing all the talking. Uh, I shouldn't do that. I know. <laughs> you, um, so... Thomas's mother called us up in October of 2017 and said, I hear you hire people like my son. You've got to give my son a job. 
And our colleague said, well, we're not hiring right now, but when we will, we'll post it and, and he'll be able to apply for the job. Well, she called every day because she's a mom. And I spoke to her and I said, tell me about Thomas. She said, well, Thomas is in his early 20s. He has autism and he's in a very bad way. He's very depressed. We have trouble getting him to come out of his room. He just wants to stay alone. He won't shower or shave. We can't get him to join any programs. And he hasn't spoken to his father in over six months. Well, sounds like a wonderful employee. And when we had an opening, we said, come on down. Now, to get that sock wrangler job, we provide you with training, and you can take as much training as you want. One of our current sock wranglers will train you. You've trained a lot of people. I do. But then you have to pass the sock wrangler test. Okay. You have to pick six orders in 20 minutes or less. You have to show us you can do the job. Nothing extraneous. Well, Thomas passes that test as if he was put on this earth to be a sock wrangler. And he does an awesome job. Today, Thomas is showered and shaved by 6.30 in the morning. And he waits for his father, who's going to drive him up to an hour to get to work. And the young man who wouldn't look at you or talk to anybody goes around the whole building wishing everybody a good morning. And his brother recently got married. Thomas was the best man. And Thomas gave a speech at the wedding. You can't cry without watching that. And, I, and, and, and Dr. Linda, I want to be really clear here. We did nothing. We have no special programs. We have no special training. John and I will tell you, we're just a couple of knuckleheads selling socks. We have no government support. All we did was give Thomas the opportunity to earn a job. And he does great work. But for him, so for us as an employer, it's wonderful having Thomas work here. Yes. And for Thomas, it becomes transformative. Right. Ooh, I think you've transformed me. I got goosebumps. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, we're going to take a break. Oh my gosh, you make me want to give somebody a hug. I just leaned on my microphone. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break. And then really quickly, we're going to be back and we're going to hear more about this extraordinary way of thinking and the peace of mind that can bring all of us and the possibilities it can open up in our world. So we'll be right back. Hey, Dr. Linda here. Did you know that a recent Harvard study found that exposure to just four minutes of good news each day will make you 32% less anxious? and 18% more optimistic? Just four minutes, we've all got that much time to devote to our worldview and our sense of flourishing. Yes, if you make a habit of learning about just one piece of remarkably good news each day, you can be the one in your circles with fresh insights, ideas, and a sense of strength 
Okay, so that takes care of the problem in our personal lives. But what about our work environments? We need to feel like we come alive there, that we have meaning and purpose there. Well, enter the goodness exchange for business. For companies that want to create optimistic and values-driven work cultures, our content can give you a way to turn aspirational ideas like positivity into a concrete way of being in the workplace. In fact, employee retention and attraction may depend on your company's ability to nurture a tone of innovation, interesting collaborations, and possibility. And most importantly, the Goodness Exchange can meaningfully elevate your company's wellness efforts and benefits packages. Your work culture can be offering employees something new, peace of mind and that sense of flourishing, where employees' well-being isn't just a perk. It's the way we care about the individuals in our workplaces. So if you'd like to chat about infusing your culture with a tone of celebration about goodness and progress, we'd love to chat. Contact our CEO, Liesl. Her email address is info at goodnessexchange.com. Thanks. Okay, we're back with Mark and John Cronin. They are the co-founders of John's Crazy Socks, an amazing um, example of the entrepreneurship that's going on in the world where um, people in business realize that every brain is beautiful. Every brain can uh contribute to the bottom line, can be creative. They, their business, John's Crazy Socks, has created over 34 jobs uh, for people with differing abilities. And we talked about that earlier, uh, the, the, the nomenclature there. They've spoken at the UN twice, twice to Congress. They are doing things in the world to make sure that folks of all abilities can find great work and produce good things in the world and find what they're uniquely built to contribute. So welcome back, Mark and John. Good to still be here, huh, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> okay, let's let's get to the founding story because the founding story is great, and and we all have to appreciate how great ideas come from sometimes from adversity, sometimes from just not knowing what to do next, but just making one foot in front of the other happen. Okay, well, you have to go back to the fall of 2016 and to set the mood we started in a small log cabin in the woods no no it wasn't there uh, suburban long island in a town of called huntington and where were you pal i i was at a huntington high school i could be my last year school okay and John, I hear you were you were not just coasting through on autopilot through high school. You were a mover and shaker. Were you a mover and shaker? You were a good student. Yes. You like going to school. I do. You make things you made things happen, right? Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we we can look back. We didn't think about it then. We didn't use the language then. But John was displaying all sorts of entrepreneurial skills and interests that you know what one time he was in a summer program in the school district and i saw the principal the summer school principal somewhere in town and she says to me mark you know you should be so proud it's so wonderful the uh the talent show that john is putting together 
I had no idea what she was talking about. <laughs> it turns out you had the idea of creating a talent show, right? I did. He put this proposal together, goes to the principal. You did it on your iPad? Yeah, I did, I did my iPad. Convinced her they should have a talent show. And then you organized the whole thing. I did. You went from classroom to classroom. I did. And you you staged this production. I did. There you go. So anyway, it's the fall of 2016, going to be his last year, trying to figure out what's going on. What are you going to do after school? And what were you looking at? I look at job, program, and school. I can't find a great, I, I can't find a great option I don't like. He didn't see anything he liked. There were waiting lists for social service programs, and even when you got in them, they were basically offering, like, daycare. Um, John had worked with me before. He wanted something more. Well, this became an opportunity for John. You didn't see a job you wanted. What did you say? I, I want to create one. I want to make one. And, and, and I told my dad, I'm going to bitch with him. I'm nice for us to be together. Pretty cool. I mean, I, I'm this lucky man, Dr. Linda. I got three sons. Yes. Yes, yes. This is one I can work with. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. So there we are. Okay. We're going to business together, right? Yes. And we had to figure out what would we do. And now John's like a lot of entrepreneurs. He had a lot of ideas. <laughs> that doesn't mean they're all good ideas. What, what was one of them? One of them is a food truck. I got idea uh, from the movie called Chef and John Favreau. I I I need to read about a father and son buying a food truck. So a food truck, that sounded like a fun idea. And we're thinking, what could we make and where would we put it? But we ran into a problem. We can't cook. Yeah, we can't cook. <laughs> but then, right before Thanksgiving, John had his eureka moment. I did. I want to sell crazy socks uh, because um, a fun and colorful is creative is always let me be me. I want crazy socks more life. We used to drive around looking for these socks. So we figured this. If John loved them that much, surely other people would too. And we could find those people. But, you know, here's an interesting thing. John was serious in putting this out. You, you, you didn't just throw it out, you know, haphazardly. You had a name. I got a name. You I had But he also knew he didn't have to ask anybody for permission. Right. And it wasn't a question, well, do you think we can do this? It was just, okay, we're going to do this. Now let's figure out how. And we went the lean startup route. We skewed the detailed business plan. We said, let's get something up and running and we'll see how people respond. Um, so we're bootstrapping. We had to do it ourselves. We set up a, a simple website. We used the Shopify platform. Got a little bit of inventory. That took some cajoling of people. And the only marketing we did was to set up a Facebook page and I would take out my cell phone, and we made videos. 
And what do you think was in those videos? <laughs> I am. I, I talk about socks. I have I have a catchphrase, uh, Lydia. If uh, um socks, socks, and more socks. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't know what to expect. It's the charisma we, factor all over. <laughs> when we saw people sharing these videos, what day did we open? We opened on Friday, December 9th, 2016. And we got what felt like a flood of orders. We got 42 orders that first day. And most of them were local, which made sense. He's in Huntington High School. We lived in Huntington. We had temporary office. I love Huntington. I know you do. That's why we're in the Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> um, so what did we do with those first orders? Our home given food, we get red boxes. I put a suck in the box. I put, I put up uh, my penalized chicken and candy. I heard the kisses. Right, we got bags of Hershey's kisses. Yes. Filled up the boxes, loaded up the car, and we drive around, and you knocked on doors delivering socks. I did. It was wild. How Serious did the, customer service. How did the customers respond? They loved our sock. And I took a picture with me and I took a picture with me and uh, the box of sock along with the customer and and, and share it on Shoda Mia. Word began oh. to spread. Right. We had customers ordering again just to get John to come back to their door. <laughs> and and there were some funny nights. Now, you're up in Vermont. I'm not sure what it would be like up there, but there were some nights. It was after 10 o'clock at night, and John's knocking on doors. Yes. You know, who's John with your socks? You know, you show me. Not sure if this is scalable. Um, but by the end of that month, really two weeks, we had shipped 452 orders, and we knew we had some. We knew we could grow this business. We didn't know how fast. We didn't know how large. And and you learn things. You learn by doing. So one. One, um, uh, people want to buy socks. Two, people want to buy socks from me. They wanted to buy from John. They related to John. They re they liked that personal touch of you know even when we're shipping it to you the thank you note and the candy. They liked the commitment we made of donating 5% of our earnings to the Special Olympics. Right. And, and why the Special Olympics? I am, I am a Special Olympic athlete. And there was something that caught us off guard we didn't expect. We got a very emotional response from a lot of people right. because they saw a young man with Down syndrome starting a business. You know, to us, it's just drama. But... And then you learn that this young man, this is old man, this old guy here, we could sell socks. Okay. So you know, that's how we got started. Wow. Um, we've come a long way. It's uh, how many different socks do we have now? We have four thousand different kinds of socks, which means I am I'm sitting here right now. I am in the the world's largest sock store. John's idea has turned into the world's largest sock store. I did. I mean, we're not out selling Walmart and Target and Kohl's. Not, not yet. Not yet. But um, 
you mentioned we've been able to create 34 jobs, 22 were held by people with different abilities. Um, we've now shipped over 420,000 packages to 88 different countries. But Dr. Linda, if we get an order between our office and home, what are you doing? I'm still doing home delivery. He did a bunch of home deliveries last week. You know, on the way home, we just swing by somebody's house and Don's knocking on the door. Um, our giving back program, which is baked, baked into what we do, we're now top $625,000, and that's growing. Um, wow. Okay. We get to have fun. All right. So I imagine you did not find the only niche that was appropriate for this particular structure of entrepreneurship. I You gave me some stats I that I was bowled over um, by when we last spoke at our pre-call. You said 80% of people with disabilities are out of work. Yeah. And that's, uh, and then, and yet these companies have 20%, uh, they have 20%, Ernst & Young has 20% turnover. Right. And they just recently had the aha moment that there might be some amazing minds out there who can focus and do the kind of work they do. Like in the U S but this, we were um, on a call last week with some people down in Sydney and Australia, same issue there. In the U.S., in much of the country, there is a growing labor shortage. Right. Employers cannot find enough good people. At the same time, we have this vast untapped pool of labor. I'm not the smartest guy around, but I can figure this out. Why don't we just match that? Um, and some of that is, is changing the way we, we think about jobs. Think about credentials. Um, and some of it is overcoming fear and ignorance. If you haven't worked with people with a different ability, maybe you're scared, you're afraid. You know, um, so our warehouse, we do very well. We do same day shipping. Our error rate is less than 0.2 of 1%. I'm telling you, other warehouse operations would give their IT to have those stats. You know, I've got to share with you that um, I, I ran across a video, a nice short little three-minute video. I'm not exactly sure where, about how your warehouse and your process works. And we'll include that video in the article on the Goodness Exchange because it really gave me a, a, just a wonderful appreciation of the, of the skill and the scope. It's but I'll talk to other people. And you know, here's, here's something I have heard more than once. Well, you know, Mark, this, our place is different. We have heavy machinery. <laughs> John crosses the parking lot every day, and you don't get hit by a car. No, I never hit a weeds. No, you haven't been hitting weeds, right? If, what are we talking about here? You know, it's, it's the issue that you know, you mentioned companies like Microsoft and IBM, which have these diverse neurodiversity hiring programs, and they do a great job. And there are others getting on board. EY, we could talk about the great program that they've set up with Trinity College in Dublin. Well, you know, I use Microsoft as, as an example. They pick their heads up and say, how come we're not hiring more people in the autism spectrum? Well, first thing is, they have hired more than they know, 
but people may have not disclosed. Right. But anybody could tell you, anybody with any experience in this field could tell you, here's why you're not hiring that person. Because they may not look you in the eye in the interview. They may not give you a firm handshake. Right. What about the lender? In my past, among other things I've done, I've set up and I founded a software company and I was the chief technology officer for some healthcare management firms. I know a little bit about tech. Having a firm handshake has nothing to do with programming. Nothing. So why do we care? It's like we're interviewing people and the interview is constructed for finding someone we want to go out to dinner with or or date. (laughs) I I tend to think of something quite simple. There was a a, a well-known lawsuit in the labor field with the New York City Fire Department. So it's an all male bastion. And at some point they pick their heads up and say, you know, maybe we ought to hire some women. Oh, let's see about that. So to get on the fire department, you have to pass a written test. If you score high enough on the written test, they invite you to take the physical test. You go out to Rikers Island, you take this physical test, a cooling test. Guess what? No women pass the test. All those men patted themselves on the back and said, you see, we tried, but no, no woman is qualified. Well, they took that to court. And when the court looked at the test, they found the test had nothing to do with the job. Once they tailored the test to what you had to do on the job, guess what? All, a lot of women passed the test. Now, they still, it's still a male bastion. There are still issues there, but... That's a very simple notion. Um, You know, one, a comparison I use all the time in thinking about this, right? We, We want to make the argument that hiring people with differing abilities, it's not altruism. It's good business. I'm not going to make the moral argument. I'm not going to, you know, oh, it'll make you feel good. You feel better going to synagogue or mosque or church, but you should do it because it's good business. And here's an example, a parallel example, I think, out of American history. 1947, the then Brooklyn Dodgers broke the color barrier. And they hired Jackie Robinson to play for them. The next two teams to integrate were the, Cle- the then Cleveland Indians and the then New York baseball giants. Guess what? They became the best teams in baseball. Now think of them as businesses. And what they said is, we're going to hire the best possible people to do the job. And we are no longer going to exclude people for arbitrary and you know, arbitrary reasons. Well, let's apply that to people with different abilities. Let's hire the best possible people to do the job. We we hire a cleaning crew to come in here. They come in once a week, twice a week in a busy season. We contract with the local agency, social service agency called ACLD. 
everybody on that cleaning crew has autism. You want to get a clean office? You might want to hire people with autism. Right. Because, boy, are they fanatics and sticklers about details. Right. Right? It's, we hear from businesses. Oh, you have to make all these accommodations. All right, well, let's think about that. We make accommodations all the time for people. I don't like the way my desk is set up. I don't like this office set up. I need a different chair, right? So let's consider this. We have built our processes over six and a half years now. If we want to make a change, we know our workforce. You can't just come out on the fly and say, all right, guys, we're doing this different. You got to prepare. You got to communicate. You got to let them know. So we're very thoughtful about that. And we document and explain changes we're going to make. Now, tell me, is that an accommodation? Or did that just make us a better business? It's common courtesy in my book. <laughs> well, yes. Yes. Right? And it's good. And that's good for business because you keep good employees. Right. That is the bottom line is keeping a good workforce, keeps the whole process rolling. It's a win for everyone when you find the recipe. Right. And now you could get into, you know, you, you mentioned earlier our five pillars and yeah, let's talk about the five pillars because that seems like a recipe to me that that you share that I, I'd love to give people an overview on. Now, they can find out more about these if they're curious how. You can go to our website. Um, in fact, we're about to publish. We just published a little video on them. We're about okay. to publish an article um, about them. Okay. But you, let's put this in context. Okay. We, we call ourselves a social enterprise. Okay. We have both a social purpose and a business purpose, and they feed off each other. I think every organization needs to know what's your purpose. What are you about? You know, Simon Sinek will call it, you know, what's your why? And that stops you from going off the rails. That, that's your North Star. And your values, those are the guidelines that keep you going straight. You got to know what you're about. So our five pillars, you know, why don't you run through them? Number one. One, I experience and hope. Two, give it back. Three, find projects you can love. Four, uh, Make it personal. Five, make it clear place to work. So we added the fifth one last. We didn't need it when it was just John and me. But let's make this a great place to work. And this to me is common sense. At the same time, it's profound. Our business succeeds because of the people we have. We're grateful for that. And what's our overall mission? What's our mission? Spreading happiness. Spreading happiness. So if we want to spread happiness with our customers and in the community. We have to start here. Our colleagues have to be happy. Our colleagues have to be valued and want to be here. 
So we have kind of a, a simple five-phase approach to this. First, make sure, make sure you're offering people a mission worthy of their commitment, something bigger than ourselves, something that matters. It can't just be we want to make money. And don't get me wrong. We want to make money, right? Absolutely, Dad. You, we like to live indoors. I do. You do, yes. <laughs> it's, And that has to be something that will attract them. And people will get to pick and choose. This is what we're about. Um, two, make sure everybody knows why they're job matters. There's no make work. There's no cog in the machinery. Right. Everybody's job is essential to that mission. And they need to know that. They need to know the importance of their job. If you go and ask any of our sock wranglers, what are you doing? I'm spreading happiness. Right? We talk about this all the time. We're focused on it. It's, I've had other business owners say to me, oh, come on, Mark. Not everybody's job is important. You know? and, and to me, I'm like, well, if that's true, why are they on your payroll? If their job doesn't matter, why are you paying them? But we all want to know that what we do matters. Then three, put people in a position to succeed. Don't ask people to do what they can't do. We don't ask John here. We don't ask you. Yeah, to... I, 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 I never asked me to do our finances. No, you don't uh, run our finances. I, I, I don't I That's don't not his friend. But you know what? Greeting customers, giving people tours? Yes. Nobody I, does it they... better than John. Right. Give people the tools they need. If Nick, our webmaster, needs something, let's get it for him. If Kenny or Lee Packard needs a chair, why don't we get him that chair? Now, yeah. we're a small business. We don't have endless resources. But let's, let's let people do their best work. Let's set up an environment where they can do that, that work and thrive. Because that will really make them feel great. And four, recognize what people do. You know, when folks come to you, Dr. Linder, and say, you know, I listen to that podcast. That was wonderful. You know, I wound up sharing it with a friend and telling him about it. Doesn't that make you feel good? Doesn't that make a lot, you know, it, it builds your confidence. It makes you more powerful. Sometimes it's as simple as going up to people and saying, thank you. We got a big rush. We got all our orders up. Go around and say, thank you. Thank you for taking care of this. Maria, who organizes our lives, and you know, she's our community organizer. She stops us from flying off the earth. <laughs> we just came back from a trip to Washington, Oregon and Washington State. It went very smoothly. First thing I do is I'm, I'm calling Maria saying, thank you very much. You made all these arrangements. Everything was great. Just say thank you. But part of that is a mindset of really valuing your colleagues, that they're not just entries in a spreadsheet. And then the last thing, 
Stay the hell out of the way. Let people do their jobs. Give them that autonomy. If I'm hiring you and I'm doing some of your job, why am I paying you? And, and, you know, for us, leading the organization, we're really not at the top. You know, if, if you did an honest org chart, well, all right, you put us at the top. It's our responsibility to create a vision. But really, we're at the bottom. Our job is to serve everybody else. Our job is to put everybody else in a position to succeed. And when they do that, Everybody wins. And and this seems to me, you know, I'm old. I just turned 65. I've been running organizations for a long time. Um, this seems to me to be so obvious. So as we go along with these five pillars, you're, you're, um, you, you run Okay. So you have the best intentions. You put these five pillars out. You run every good decision every decision through them there are times when then just things pop up and that force you to really look at whether you're walking your talk uh talk to me about this concept of here's where we are now now what because i really love this i i love this way that you guys use that concept of really reality check here's where we are now what because that's something that runs into all of us and those that's when our pillars are challenged okay let's take let's take that little thing that pandemic as an example right? okay nobody planned for the pandemic I know there are YouTube interviews with Bill Gates from seven years ago saying, well, we ought to plan for a pandemic. Nobody, nobody expected that. There used to be an old Monty Python skit. Nobody ever expected the Spanish Inquisition. And guys would run in with pillows and hit people with pillows. Very funny, very funny. (laughs) So we get hit with this pandemic. It shuts us down. Um, virtually shuts us down. We could stay open because in the eyes that we we're located in New York, in the eyes of the state of New York, we were an essential business. Right. Everybody needed their socks. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It was terrible for our business. Okay. <laughs> it cost us hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. So what do you do? Well, the first thing, you got to take care of people. We had to watch out for people's health. Many of our colleagues were vulnerable. They live with elderly parents. Um, here's an example. John, you have Down syndrome? Yes, I do. People with Down syndrome were not more likely to get the virus. But if they did, five times more likely to be hospitalized, True. 10 times more likely to die. That's scary. And in fact, in December of 2020, we gave John a hospital stay for Christmas. I was, I, I was, I had trouble breathing. Couldn't breathe. And for the first few days, it that, was really that's scary. Fair. Yeah, yes. They didn't know his, they used the pulse, the oximeter to measure your yeah. breath. And you want to be at 99, 100. He was dropping down below 60. It was scary. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, 
for no reason at all, he turned around. And, you know, they gave great care in, in the hospital. And one of the things they did, they let me stay with him the whole time, even though I had COVID. So the first thing you got to do, you got to make sure people are safe. Then you say, okay, how do we adapt to these new circumstances, given our values and given what we do? So we host tours. We've had more than 2,000 students come to our building. We move those online. Now, it's not the same experience. But now we've had students from around the world come and take a tour of John's Crazy Songs. We do a lot of speaking engagements. We're keynote speakers at conferences, corporate events. Well, nobody's traveling. Nobody's getting gathering together. Move it online. It's opened up the world. We were looking at the other day. We've now spoken on six continents. We've got to work on Antarctica now. <laughs> I, I know. I, I don't even go there. Right? They do, they do need socks there. They really do. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> we, you know, we made socks. Which, so we made healthcare superhero socks to say thank you to the frontline workers. Those have raised over $50,000 for the American Nurses Foundation's COVID wow. fund and a local hospital, Good Sam in there, uh, Good Samaritan and their fund. Um, and then you ask yourself, what are the new opportunities? So we made masks with our themes and our designs. Right. And what's our mission? I spray happiness. How do you spread happiness if everybody is isolated and shut down and it's all this uncertainty? Right. Um, I, 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 I can't Yeah. Yeah. Um, every Tuesday, uh, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. here, here on, on, on the time, I host, I host an online dance party and everybody dancing on Zoom and check it out and I quit, uh, it did quite fun. What better way to spread happiness than exactly. host a dance party? And also, we have our own podcast called the Spring Happy Podcast. Which started as a Facebook as, Live as, show, as right? Facebook Live show. We'll do it tonight. Um, yeah, that's Just great. a way to connect and communicate with people. Right. So, if all we were doing was selling socks, we'd be stuck. <sighs> But you got a larger purpose and you know what you're about and you know what matters. It's that's that's part of why you need to know your purpose and your values. I mean, we we spoke about the make it a great place to work. Well, the next one up is let's make this personal. We're not chasing transactions. We're building a community. We want to create relationships, engage with our customers. We want to create customer experiences. And, and that then, once you have that belief, that makes itself manifest in everything you do. So what goes in every package to this day? Every package is a personalized digging your arrow. And I put in a candy. And on the packing slip, you'll see the picture and the name of the person who packed your order. And and, and also, I really fun. Yeah. I give a discount. You give a discount. So when you get that package, 
On the outside, you see our logo in the bright colors. It's already setting you up. Oh, this is something different. It's cheery. You open it up, you're going to get your socks. And they come increasingly right away. You're going to get your socks, and they're great socks. You get the thank you note. You get the story of John's crazy socks. You get the reminder that in buying those socks, you're supporting our giving back program. You see the picture of the person you have helped employ. You're creating jobs for people with different abilities. Wow. So you're not just getting socks. This is a dose of happiness. But this has to affect everything we do. Right. The and colors on the walls. The way we answer the phone. If you call here, you don't get voice trail. I know. You're going to talk to an actual human. And I, talked, I talked to your mother the first time I called. I just you dialed out of the oh, yes. Her mama bear. I said a mama bear. I said a mom. Um, yes. Dad, I yes. can't show one thing. Go ahead. Because <laughs> and, uh, I, 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 I get my personal personal note for me. And every discount. I ask a customer, are you buying socks? multiple times, you get first, second, third, fourth, or fourth right. order, and on the fourth order, you get, are, are you order four times, you get VIP. You, you know, business folks out there oh will know God. if yeah. you're running email, right? So this has to become, once you believe it, then you're, it's constantly finding its way into what you do. It's marketing so, genius with the soul, it sounds well, like. Right. It, <laughs> If you if, if there are business folks out there that you know you segment your email, well, we segment our fulfillment. If it's your first order, you get one package. If it's right. your second order, you get a different package, and so on. And like John said, it's your fourth or more order. You're a VIP. You get a different package. And everybody contributes. So here's an example. One day, one of our happiness packers comes to us and says, you know, we sell socks for diabetics. Right. And then we're sending them candy. What's wrong with that picture? So now we have a supply and of sugar-free sugar sugar free candy, right? Yes. We have a separate supply of a special package if we get an order from a military base to oh. say thank you for your service. Yes, it's that's just great. a matter of paying attention. I just got goosebumps for like the fourth time. It's... <laughs> You know, we, you've heard the line, the customer is always right. Yeah. Nonsense. The customer can be dead wrong. But we're not in the business of being right. We're in the business of spreading happiness. So little things. You got a two-year guarantee on happiness with our socks. If you're unhappy for any reason, I don't want the socks back. We're going to give you your money back. We're going to do everything we can to make it right. Our happiness creators, chief of whom is the mama bear. The mama bear, the mama. She's going to do things to just knock you out. We're going to make up for that. We will. We'll send you more socks. We'll give you refunds. We'll refund. Whatever it takes. And guess what? Our return rate is less than 0.3 of 1%. Wow. Just take care of people. Wow. Right? Because it's personal. 
Just to stay on, on the personal routine, Mama Bear is named Carolyn, right? Carol, yes. yes. Carol. Yeah, yes. Carol answered the phone just like I was calling Lincoln, Illinois, where I grew up, and we had a nice old chat. Yeah, it's, you know, we don't time phone calls. It's, it's, yes. And nothing I have shared is rocket science. Right, no, right. It's all very simple, it's all very basic. Everybody contributes. But it starts with you have to believe. You have to really believe we want to make this personal. So, you know, here's a business thing. We started with Hershey's Kisses. We, uh, that worked great. Everybody loved it until. I tell, um, oh, I wake up the email. I room down, down south. And we never put a, 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 a saying, I, I never put candy. I, 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 I can't say Chocolate down south. You can't mail chocolate to the south because it's too hot in the summer yeah. and it melts. Oh, so gosh. then we went to M&M's because <laughs> the old line melts in your mouth, not in your hands. That, That's that not lie. true. Um, yeah. And for the longest time, it was Skittles. Okay. We reached out to the Mars company and said, hey, let's collaborate. They said, we work at the NFL and NASCAR. We're not interested. Okay. Well, here's a business thing. We were spending, you know, share 26 cents per package of Skittles we put in. Oh, we have folks coming and saying, well, we should save money. Let's stop doing that. Well, no, we are committed. Well, you can still make changes. So now we put in lollipops. Oh, I love, I love it. It saves money on that 26 cents, yeah. but it's still a commitment. And we're putting lollipops in. <laughs> We had a New York State Assemblyman, Steve Stern, in here for a visit last week, going on and on about how he loves the lollipops. And when he orders, he doesn't want his family to get them. He wants them. Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, so you you, you got to know what matters. If you chase the quality, the quantitative stuff will follow. Right. But what are we doing here, right? And and that leads up to that next pillar of fun products you can love. And that works at two levels. One level is what are we selling? Well, John has to approve everything yes, we sell. Absolutely. It's the spirit of John. Could John get behind this? And there have been times we've had some products. John has looked and said, uh-uh, we're not selling that. Because it's not John. But it also means we've got to really deliver for our customers. Yes, we have this social mission. Yes, we want you to feel good. But you, at its core, you got to be. We got to be a great business. The website has to be great. The selection has to be great. That's four thousand socks. Somebody can match it. The products have to be great. We have over thirty thousand five star reviews. 96% of our reviews are five-star reviews. I wanted to ask People you about it. that. You, you explained yeah. to me that there's a system to that. Where, where are my notes? Oh, that's the, the net promoter score. Yeah, I tell so, people about that because it's... Yeah, this is pretty neat. It, it, yeah. Bain, Bain Consulting came up with it. They were looking for a way to measure loyalty, but also to predict or project a company's growth. So they came up with what they called the net promoter score. Okay. 
It's one question on a survey. And you have seen this question. Would you recommend our product or service to friends and family? And you scored on a scale of zero to 10 in the classic model. A nine or a 10 is considered a promoter. A seven or eight is because a promoter is someone who's going to talk about your business and help you. Right. A seven or eight is considered a neutral. They're not going to help you and they're not going to hurt you. A zero to six is considered a negative. That's somebody who could actually go out and hurt your business. They're going to say negative things. Okay. Your net promoter score is the percentage of promoters of nine or tens out of all the people that compete this survey. Yeah. The overall average is about a 30. But you have to look at individual industries. Uh, last I looked, the cable TV industry, their average was a negative five. Oh, People no. hate them. <laughs> if you have a really, really strong brand, you reach a 60. If you hit 70, you are in the elite world-class companies. Ours is a 94. It's off the charts. We knock ourselves out for our customers. We love our customers. We're looking for that relationship and, and you get it back. It's wonderful. We, we live in this kind of magical world. It's, um, but you come back, you know, that's the product. And then the service, it's same day shipping. Um, it's John, making, making Mark, sure it's accurate. Mark and John, do you think, um, do you think almost any business could uh, aspire to this with the right, yes. with the right yes. vision? Is it yes. something unique about what you're doing and how people connect to a, a, a business that's trying to be a social engineer? Like, okay. So for starters, I had no background in retail, no background in socks, never ran a warehouse before. But to me, processing orders is very similar to processing claims when I was in the healthcare field. Okay. It's the same thing. Things are coming in, you want to adjudicate them, you want to move them along. It's, there is the term stakeholder capitalism. That's what we practice. And, and here's, something went wrong in the U.S. society, in our culture, going back to the 60s. And, and I'm not talking about long hair and bellbots. Milton Friedman, noted economist who wound up heading the Federal Reserve, came out and said, corporations have one obligation, and that is to their shareholders. And we have acted that way. That's all that matters. What's the profit? What's the bottom line? Right. Increasingly, companies are becoming aware. It's not the way it always was. And it's not the way it should be. We need to pay attention to all of our stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Our colleagues, our employees, our community, our suppliers. Yes. 
our environment. And yes, our owners, our shareholders. Here's the thing. Companies that do that have higher survival rates and have higher profits. It's it's math. It's, <laughs> it's math. And you can of, better people and, and do and the better work comes out of it. Customers are happier and it's a whole circle. I want to be clear, you know, in twenty twenty we signed a strategic partnership um, to give us some of the knowledge and heft and ability we didn't have. It's with the third generation family business that manufactures socks. They've been doing it for 60 years, shared the same values, right? Um, but part of part of what we share with people, yeah, we're just knucklehead selling socks. Right. If we can do this, anybody can do it. We have no special powers. Like I said before, there's no rocket science here. We read the same books, you know, Seth Godin and Simon Sinek or Dan Sullivan, you, you know. Uh, uh, all business greats. I read all right? those, those guys, yeah. Right, you know, it's, but, you know, here's a curious thing. We may be the world's largest sock store, but at the end of the day, we're not really a sock store. The socks become the physical manifestation with the story and the mission. But that's true with Apple, that's true with Nike, you know, that's... I think you're talking about a principle that um, that raises all the boats in the harbor up. You're talking yes. about a way of thinking. I we did an interview. I did an interview with Andrew Winston. That for people who want to continue with this exact part of our conversation, this notion that um, that the stakeholders have to all the stakeholders need to be considered. That is in a, an article that we wrote um, about an amazing book called Net Positive. It's the future of corporate America and how they have to start paying attention to all the stakeholders, not just the shareholders. That's episode 122. Um, so I, I think I could go on and on about the, the lessons we can learn from your... We haven't even gotten to the two pillars people like to talk about the most. <laughs> Which ones are those? Which ones? The giving back. Oh, cool. And... You know, inspiration, hope, showing what showing possibilities and showing what people with different abilities can do. This conversation would be very incomplete without those two. So go for it. So let, let's quickly try to do the giving back part. You know, it's not the patrician thing of, well, let's wait to the end of the year, see how much money we have and decide who we're going to write checks to. And right. let's put our names on buildings or something. Not that we're in of that calendar ilk or money. It's baked into everything we do. So it starts with 5% of earnings going to the Special Olympics. But then we have all these products that raise awareness and celebrate causes and raise money for those causes. We don't wait. That's up front. You know when you're buying it, it's doing that. And that's part of the customer experience. It's not enough to just sell stuff. you got to give back. 
And you got to be transparent about it. We publish a report every month. We let our customers know this is what's happening. And that's what makes it different. Mm-hmm. And you live it. We do events with our, and we promote our charity partners and work with them. John's now on the board of the National Down Syndrome Society. We're doing an event August 1st, dog first. with August uh, first. Um, oh. <laughs> with the North Shore Animal League America. Um, but the, the, the most important pillar for us is inspiration and hope. You know, we start with John. Yeah. You have Down Syndrome. Yes, I am. We don't put you in the back. No. He's right up front. He's the face right. of the business. Yes, we hire people with different abilities, but that's not enough. You want to show the world. So we do those tours. We host work groups from schools, speaking engagements, advocacy work. And we speak to kind of two audiences. There are self-advocates and families and their supporters and programs. And we want to encourage them. We want to offer hope. We want to say, look, there is a way. We need you. And then it's businesses and policymakers of saying, help yourself. Hire people with different abilities. You're going to be better off. And the business has created a platform where people will listen to us. Look how fortunate we are. You have us on your podcast. You get all these amazing guests. And then you invited us. How grateful are we? And But that creates an obligation for us to speak up and to speak for others. So uh, I'll share an anecdote. We're down in Washington, D.C. one day, and a customer from Houston calls the office and says, I see John and Margaret at Capitol Hill. My mother works there, and she's a fan of John's. Would it be possible for my mother to meet John? Our colleague says, sure. Gives her my cell phone number. Says, have your mom text Mark. Well, who was mom? Nancy Pelosi. Nancy Pelosi. So we now get a meeting with Nancy Pelosi. And you know, we're in a bad way in this country. You know, and thank God you're doing what you do of highlighting goodness. You know, particularly when it comes to our elected officials. If we don't agree with them, we vilify them. It's not enough to disagree. We tear them apart and we forget their humanity. So I don't care where you are in the political spectrum. Among other things, Nancy Pelosi, at her heart, is an 80-year-old Italian grandmother. We come in and she pulls out pictures of socks that she had given former President Bush. Bush the Elder, George H.W. Bush, because John had somewhat famously become sock buddies with President Bush. So we're taking photos and there's hugging and laughing and everybody loves it. But you see, we now have this opportunity and you cannot let it go to waste. So it's Miss Pelosi, we do have to talk to you. We have to repeal Section 14C of the Fair Labor Standard Act of 1938 that allows companies to pay people with a disability as little as 25 cents an hour. And there are over 140,000 people in this country being paid that little, and we need to change that. This is simple. If we get that opportunity, we have to speak up. 
And so that's part of what that inspiration and hope is about. And you roll all of that up, and we're spreading happiness. Absolutely. What do you always say are the keys to happiness? It's gratitude and do for others. The more we do for others, the better off we are. And let's have a sense of gratitude. Amen. Wait. We get to come to work and have a conversation with you. How wonderful is that? <laughs> it's pretty wonderful for me. My face hurts a little bit. I've been smiling so much. You guys are so great. Okay, so, so the reality is as much joy as you guys are spreading, you're also doing a great business. You're also setting an example for what's possible in business in general. You are also reminding us that when we have the opportunity to speak up, to do our best work, we need to jump on it. <laughs> uh, I, I just can't thank you enough for this interview. Like, tell me something like if this had only been three minutes long, this interview, do you ever, do you ever just sit there um, together chatting and just have something you really wish people knew? What do you really wish people knew? Well, this will sound simple. The only thing holding you back is you. It's between your ears. There's so much we can do. And particularly as business owners, we can have such a positive impact. We can change the world. Right? That's that's us. We are these knuckleheads selling socks. But all we want to do is... And change the world. Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you, you are. I'm pretty you know, sure you are. Uh, and you always have advice for people. I do. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. Work hard. So you can do. All right. On that note, we're going to wrap up because that last little bit. Thank you so much, John. John is, is really a mantra. Thank you so, so much, you two. Well, thank All you right. for having us. Um, thank you. You should put a little plug in, John. Yes, thank you. People want to find you. Where can they find us? You can find us at johnscrazysocks.com. Johnscrazysocks.com. You get great socks. We make custom socks for both businesses and nonprofits. We have a not. We have a charity fundraising program for nonprofits. Come join the dance party. Uh, we have our sock design contest going on. Uh, you win $1,000, we'll make you internet famous. Um, we have all sorts of things happening. So come to johnscrazysocks.com. I am so glad you did that. That's far better than the plug I would have done. And I want people to know that I tell all my guests here on the, the Conspiracy of Goodness podcast to be sure and tell people what to do next. Because... Mark and John are examples of the best in our world, the people that what's right with the world. And we, we curious people who want to support what's right with the world need to support exactly folks like this. Thank you so, so much. I hope that you'll remember the goodness exchange and all the people there like Mark and John who are making our world a better place. And I hope all these connections to goodness and progress that we mentioned will carry you through your week. And you will start finding all the joy and wonder that we've been talking about. Thanks, Mark and John. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Linda.